BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu.
Today is Friday, July 31st, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, St. Louis County's prosecutor says that he will not charge the former police officer who killed Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, after a second investigation. Black church leaders sent an open letter to Joe Biden saying he must choose a black woman to be his vice president. We'll talk with Pastor Barbara Skinner. Jared Kushner had a secret plan for coronavirus testing. That blew up. What happened to that? Georgia Democratic Senator Vernon Jones says he's supporting Donald Trump for president. And in Alabama, a Republican lawmaker has resigned as a pastor of a church and was celebrating the birthday of a former KKK leader. Plus, St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner is under attack. She'll join us to talk about why. Plus, a new round of anti-Trump viral ads to show you. And Jody Wiley is in the house to talk about her latest project. It is time to bring the funk. Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. St. Louis, Louis County Prosecutor Wesley Bell announced that he will not charge former police officer Darren Wilson for the murder of Michael Brown. Wilson, a white officer, shot and killed Michael Brown on August 9, 2014. Bell, an African-American recently elected, reasoned that after an independent and in-depth review of the evidence, they could not prove that when, they couldn't prove when Darren Wilson shot Michael Brown that he committed murder or manslaughter under Missouri law. Our panel, Rob Richardson, host of Disruption Down podcast, Derek Holly, president, Reaching America, and political analyst, Lauren Victoria Burke, uh, who writes for NNPA, the National Newspaper Publishers Association. Uh, Rob, I want to start with you. Uh, when you look at this decision here uh, made by uh, Wesley uh, Bell, African-American DA who was elected, uh, still does not satisfy folks there, but he clearly stated they could not determine if it was murder or manslaughter under state law. Yeah, I mean, um, I I have some empathy for the brother. It is hard, even, even though he probably knew that he would like to be able to charge him, doing that then not then not being able to, to follow through on it would would have been even worse. So I mean, you get to these situations, you can ask, you can ask Marilyn Mosby, if you, you can ask Kim Gardner, you can ask lots of people who have been in this situation who want to do more, but the system limits you. And the fact is, this was a while ago, and, it, and, and the evidence might not be there. That doesn't mean, and I think he said this, that doesn't mean that that officer is innocent. That means when they go to court, they wouldn't be able to prove their case. And it's even more difficult, if we're honest, to, to prove to prove the case when you're trying to get uh, an officer convicted. And you need to sometimes you got them completely on tape. You've seen everything and people still don't get convicted here. We don't have the we don't even have the tape, if I remember correctly, from uh, 2014. So we, we don't have what all, all we have is this officer's account and the eyewitnesses account. But we don't really have enough probably to charge the officer. Uh, I wish they did, but they don't. 
And that doesn't mean this officer is, is, is a good officer. That doesn't mean this officer did what he was supposed to do. What that means is uh, there's not enough evidence to move forward with the case. Uh, but I, I still think you have, a, I have a, you know, a prosecutor that wants to do it. That's the difference. You, before you had a prosecutor that was doing everything possible to blame the victim. This is not the case here. And so I still think they're getting they're getting more more justice than they would have uh, gotten. And I think officers there will be on guard because they know that they're not going to have a prosecutor that's just going to go along with everything that they say, which is which is what you want to prosecute. Law Victoria Burke. Yeah, I mean, you obviously Wesley Bell was uh, in large part elected because of the death of Michael Brown. I'm sure that people expected, you know, some people are going to expect a different decision in this case. And I can't say that I blame them. It really matters who's in these positions. I totally understand the theory that, you know, if you bring it to court, it doesn't work. Then the disappointment is even greater. But um, because his election was so much about the death of Michael Brown, which, of course, really sort of kicks off uh, a big part of what we know now as the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, obviously Michael Brown's death and Trayvon Martin's, uh, you wish, you almost wish you had brought the case because that death uh, really makes no sense. The circumstances around it, some of the videotape that we see of Michael Brown in a convenience store beforehand, you know, what he's doing, et cetera, doesn't comport with what ends up happening that causes his death. Also, the actions of the police after his death, I know this has nothing to do specifically with a criminal prosecution, but leaving his body out in the street, uh, uncovered for hours, uh, I think was a, a thing that was meant to send a, send a signal to that community. And, uh, you know, until we get real about really confronting some of these issues around police violence, um, you know, we're going to have sort of the same sort of result. And part of that is sort of challenging some of the institutional hurdles and the institutional problems that we've seen over and over again with regard to this issue and with regard to uh, police violence. One of the things that this also makes clear, Derek, the people that the public now, I think, understands a lot more is really how the law is uh, stacked, frankly, against citizens and in the favor of police officers. Uh, you look at some of these laws where, uh, you know, where, where police officers uh, can obviously use deadly force. In some places, it's a matter of how many, how many feet a person is from them. And I, we've talked to, uh, in fact, when Eric Holder was attorney general, one of the things that he said is that they needed to, that the Congress needed to modify the law because the standard was so high, even when it came to civil rights abuses, as one of the reasons why they brought few cases against cops on the federal level. Yeah, I'm baffled by this one, Roland. I agree with Laurie and Ron on a lot of things they said. And um, you look at the tapes that we do, that, that did come out about Michael Brown, and it, it seemed clear enough that, you know, a conviction could come with this case right here. But then, Roland, I look at what has happened and, did we see everything? Because here we have a prosecutor who ran on the platform as, you know, after this situation happened. And there was even one parent, I, was either, I think it was his parent or, or an uncle, who stormed out of the courtroom was like, this will, be the last, this will be your last term in office. I mean, people are furious about this. So I'm wondering if there could be something else that we haven't seen, because to have an independent counsel come in and do an investigation, that was three different investigations go down, and they couldn't determine that this cop didn't, there was any wrong Well, well, well first, first you got to remember, we didn't have a tape. We did not have a tape. That's uh, what I'm that, that was first. Uh, Wilson was not wearing a body camera. So we actually don't have uh, a recording of the shooting. 
the video that was released actually was video from a convenience store where right. the convenience store person said uh, Michael Bra Michael Brown grabbed some cigarettes, and the person said, "Oh, he was stealing." That, that's 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 what we have. And so okay. I oh, think yeah. I think I certainly I think one of the things that the Michael Brown case, uh, obviously uh, the other cases that took place, uh, Eric Garner and so many others, that was one of the reasons why you had such a push for body cameras, so the public, yeah. prosecutors, and others can be able to actually see what happened and hear the conversations. And so that's one yeah. of the issues here. And so bottom line is if you if you can only and, and you got to remember, um, one of the other issues, I think a lot of people are also learning. And we, we had the police chief from Durham on who leads Noble. One of the other problems when it comes to cops is they literally have law. They have laws in the procedures set up to where they don't have to give uh, an investigative account until later. In fact, some of them can actually review the the witness statements from witnesses yep. before they even give their comment. In Georgia, until they change the law, a police officer who was being investigated by a grand jury actually got to sit in the grand jury proceedings to hear what witnesses said against him or her before they testified. Now, grand jury proceedings are supposed to yeah. be secret. So that's my point. One of the things that we have learned over the last several years after these spate of cases has been how the laws have been so positioned in favor of cops that you, you, you barely have any shot at being able yeah. uh, to have justice when it's set up to have an officer get off every time. Exactly. I'll just okay, say one really quick thing on that. Hold on one point. second. Hold up. Rob, hold up. Rob and Derek. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because a point, a point, uh, the, the points that are brought up that it would have been nice to have justice on this, and I know a lot of people uh, and a lot of people expected that to happen. Here's the thing, though. This is one person, one prosecutor, which has a lot of power. But if you don't, if you can talk to that city council. They need to reform those contracts. They need to look at qualified immunity. They need to make sure that the police don't have so much power that this prosecutor can actually do his job. And this was done years before. We're talking about 2014 when the evidence was already set up. And so you could have, he could have brought that case and it would have been worse off. I think actually it would, the family would have just gone through more trauma. He would not have been able to prove his case. Uh, and and it's, it's unfortunate, but, 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 but the result shouldn't be not to give up. The should, it should be those that, okay, can we make sure we elect more city council people to hold these people accountable? It's a system-wide effort. It's not going to be one person. It's not going to be one time. It's a continuous long-term fight, and that's how people have to look at this. Derek, go ahead. I was going to say, the way I read the article, it, uh, actually yesterday when it came on AP, I was like, wow, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that this has happened. But um, he, the way I understood it, the prosecutor brought in his own independent counsel, or excuse me, independent uh, uh, investigation on this thing. And so that's why I'm trying to, trying to understand what happened or what evidence did he not have in order to see that this, you know, any, to determine any kind of wrongful doing from this cop who shot, the, who shot Michael Brown. Well, one of the things that we have seen, which was the case with Cuyahoga County there uh, in Cleveland with the Tamir Rice case, how yeah. the prosecutor there acted more like the defense attorney. Same thing that happened in Staten Island with Eric Garner. Same thing that happened uh, in the case of Almer Arbery with those first two district attorneys. And so one of the reasons we have seen uh, this increase in the election of progressive district attorneys is because we've had DAs 
for decades operate as if they are not on the side of police officers. That Pretty much. you basically were fighting the cop and the DA as, oh, as, as opposed to the district attorney saying, my job is to look at the evidence, sure. not say I believe you over you. I need to assess what's in front of me, make my decision. And so many, and guess what? That DA in Cuyahoga County in Cleveland lost in his Democratic primary. That DA in St. Louis lost to Wesley Bell. Uh, we've seen other DAs, we're seeing losing these races because they have sided more with cops as opposed to really looking at it with the people. And Lauren, that's what, what people simply want is they want to be able to trust that the district attorney, a lawyer, is going to make the right decision as opposed to, oh, no, a cop. Hey, buddy, we're on your side. Yeah, and I think the fact that, let's be real, I mean, this is a historic moment in uh, racial justice. Michael Brown's death is a historic moment. Now, I'm not saying you should bring a prosecution because it's a historic moment, but, yeah, you can bet that people, family members, were storming out of the courtroom because Bob McCullough leaving office and Wesley Bell uh, getting into that office was a huge, huge change, and people expect that to mean something. And to mm -hmm. me, if he's going to make the same decisions as Bob McCullough, what was the point of this is where people start getting into this thing of, and I'm not saying I agree with it, of why are we voting? You know, because yeah. I'm not saying that it would have been easy. We know it would not have been easy. It's traditionally never been easy to prosecute a law enforcement officer. Everybody knows that the bar is extremely high and the rules are set up for them to effectively uh, get away with murder uh, and not be able not be prosecuted for it. You know, uh, but this case was not only a historic case, but it made no sense from any narrative, from any standpoint, that, uh, you know, an 18-year-old being stopped in the street for jaywalking with absolutely zero, zero criminal record, zero uh, suspensions from school, ends up getting shot, what was it, six or seven times in the middle of the street in broad daylight? I mean, so I, I think that... People who are, you know, storming out of the courtroom, I'm agreeing with them about storming out of the courtroom. Well, 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 first of all, you first of all, got to remember, there was no trial. Remember, there was no trial here. Remember, the district attorney had that big announcement at nighttime announcing he was not filing charges. So there was right. never a trial in the case of Mike Brown. Right. Right. Yeah. So people were angry. That's what they were asked. What they were angry about. Uh, they continued. But again, this, that, remember, that was, five, it was six years ago. That was, that, was, that was six years ago next month. But what that case did, what that case did, it, it added to people really beginning to understand all of these different laws. Because we saw Eric Garner in New York. We saw uh, John Crawford III there uh, in Ohio. We saw Michael Brown. And then every time we saw one of these cases, it was another example, another example. And Derek, that's why. All of these cases is what has led us to this point of people yep. saying defund the police. By folks saying you can't just continue to let police run rampant. And so it was body cameras. It was dash cams. It was civilian review boards. And so this case and others really put us to the point where we are today for folks to say there has to be a massive reexamination of law enforcement in the United States to make sure these things don't happen again. Derek, first. Agreed. Um, 
I still don't understand how this independent investigation that the prosecutor brought in didn't find anything. But I agree with you, Michael Brown, it was a, his case, like I said, really sparked this national, everything, this, this national movement, I think. Um, and while he, it went away, you know, because it was six years ago, I think he was the start of it. Um, but the whole thing of defund the police, I think it, the narrative in terms of what, what really needs to be done, it goes out the window with the whole defund the police, because to a lot of other people who don't watch this show or agree with, you know, everything that said, what is said on this show, would think that defund the police means exactly that, get rid of the police department. And we have heard in some instances, like Minneapolis, that is what defund the police means, get rid of the entire police department. Now, you and I know we've had this conversation on this show. It means in certain areas, you know, reappropriating funds to certain areas. So when there's a, a need, not necessarily for a police officer, but some mental health involvement, then maybe you can de-escalate some of the situations that are taking place when the police shows up, right. particularly right. in black neighborhoods. Yeah, I mean the, the the issue with this brother, with this with this prosecutor. I want people to make sure that we we are at least looking at not just this case. This is important. I understand why it is, but it's not just also holding police officers accountable. It's also how is that prosecutor using his discretion? Now, if if, if he if he's prosecuting uh, young brothers and sisters at the same rate the old prosecutor was, and he's not having any empathy for the situations people go through, then I would say make your change and and and, and go ahead and march forward. But I don't think you can judge it. Uh, the, uh, you can't judge him by just this one moment, given how hard it would have been to put this case forward. I believe that it'd be very hard to not only prove your case, you probably couldn't have done it. And you can't put a you can't bring a case just to just to prove a point. You need to have some ability to to win. And you go out there and fight if you have some ability to win. The second part is yes, defund the police. I want to get on this really quick. I actually think uh, it's not a good frame. Uh, I wouldn't frame the narrative that way. I know why people do. And I get and I get it and I understand why it became popular and why it's easy to hold on to. But uh, when you're explaining, you're losing. And people do believe that narrative. And it's better to say we're reforming the police. We don't need to have police level funding that we have because you got whole cities that haven't cut anything and they keep ramping up their police department. People are more safe, but they have more. But but police have more funding, even when that's not where the funding should go. So we should reform funding. But people people hear that statement, they're like, oh, they just want to get rid of all police. And some people may want that, but my guess is the majority of Americans probably don't. So we do need to, I think, figure out how we frame the narrative in a way that can actually win. Lauren. Yeah, you know, I, I get that. Obviously, all of these cases are very difficult. Nobody brings a case to make some sort of, generally speaking, political statement. I would just argue that the circumstances of Michael Brown's death were extremely unusual, to say the least. And clearly something was wrong there. Clearly something was out of order, that somebody gets shot to death by the police the way that he was shot to death, and nobody, nobody pays price for it. I mean, at some point, that's got to end. And the only way that ends is somebody stepping forward into a, a difficult pros prosecution, to be sure. But at some point, th that's how change happens. You've got to step forward into that, or we're dealing with the same thing, and, and we're dealing with the same attitude of, you know, I can do this and, and walk away, and then nothing happens. All right, folks, that's, uh, all right, folks let's, go our, let's go to our next story. According to the CDC, today, there are four million four hundred and five thousand nine hundred and thirty two cases of COVID-19 in the United States. A total of one hundred and fifty thousand two hundred and eighty three patients have died. Now, this spring, a team working under Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jerry Kushner, produced a plan for an aggressive, coordinated 
national COVID-19 testing plan that was supposed to have brought the pandemic under control. After assembling a team that came up with this plan, Kushner then decided, okay, we're just going to scrap it. Now, today on Capitol Hill, you, of course, had uh, all of the drama on Capitol Hill. You were dealing with uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci testifying. And then Jim Jordan was his, you know, usual making an ass out of himself. Uh, And so just listen to some of the back and forth that was going on in this hearing. Go ahead, y'all. Do protests increase the spread of the virus? Do protests increase the spread of the virus? Uh, I think I can make a general statement well, half a million protesters on June 6th alone, yeah. I'm just asking, that number of no. people, does yeah. it increase the spread of the virus? Cra- crowding together, particularly when you're not wearing a mask, contributes to the spread of the virus. Should we limit the protesting? I- I'm not sure what you mean, should, how do we say limit the protesting? Should government limit the protesting? I, I-, I don't think that's relevant to... Well, to- you just said if it increases the spread of the virus, I'm just asking, should we limit it? Well, I'm, I'm not in a position to determine what the government can do in a forceful way. Well, you make all kinds of recommendations. You, no. you make comments on dating, on baseball, on everything no. you can imagine. I'm just asking you, you just said it, yeah. that protests increased the spread. No. I'm just asking you, should we try to limit the protests? No, I think I would leave that to people who have more of an, a, a position to do that. I can tell you. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Last week in the Calvary Chapel case, five liberals on the Supreme Court said it was okay for Nevada <laughs> to limit church services. Governor, I, I mean, Justice Gorsuch said it best. He said, there's no, there's no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. I'm just asking, is there a world where the Constitution says you can favor one First Amendment liberty protesting right. over another practicing your faith? I'm not favoring anybody over anybody. I'm just making a statement that's a broad statement that avoid crowds of any type, no matter where you are, because that leads to the acquisition and transmission And I don't judge one crowd versus another crowd. When you're in a crowd, particularly if you're not wearing a mask, that induces the spread. It's a simple question, doctor. Should we limit the protest? Government is obviously limiting people going to church. And and look, there's been no no violence that I I can see at church. I haven't seen people during a church service go out and and harm police officers or burn buildings. But we know that. I mean, for 63 days. Rob, you're from Ohio. There's nothing like it. I mean, Jim Jim Jordan's one of the biggest asses on Capitol Hill. Here's what's interesting about Jim Jordan's question. Should government limit protests? Government actually can't limit protests. The reason... Fauci is making the statement is that actually people are assembling on their own. What government does, what government can do, like for instance, when government says we're closing the beaches, okay, government actually can't say, um, no, 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 we're, we're taking tickets. There are only going to be 50 people at this protest. That's really what Fauci was saying. Fauci was saying, <laughs> see, Jordan wanted him to say no protest. That's what he said. I don't. He said, "I'm saying no mass groups." No, I mean he made it clear. And Jim Jordan is a uh, how, how could I? He's an asshole. He's I don't know. He's a lot of things, but he shouldn't be in office. And uh, you would point out wow. to me he is from Ohio. I, I I don't claim him though. And some people do. He got elected somehow. I don't know. But um, he is trying to set up this false narrative. He's trying to get his base. Say they're trying to take away your right to go to church while they go out there and protest for crazy things like making sure black people's lives matter and don't get killed. 
and he, they're trying to rile up their base and set up like the government is trying to stop you from exercising your right, but letting those people exercise their right. We know what they're doing. And, you know, we have to make sure people get out, vote, and, and end not only Trump, but Trumpism, which stands for this, which stands for dividing people along race that, that says our lives doesn't matter. That's, you know, you got to, you, 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 I'm sure you talked about this. The, this, the current president occupant of the White House said he wants to delay the election. They want to just make up new rules. That's what they want to do. I, I, Lauren, again, you're sitting here, and, and, and I'm looking at all these uh, conservatives on, on, on social media. Oh, Fauci, he wouldn't say the words. He wouldn't say the words. The man said, there should not be mass gathering of people anywhere because that is helping to spread the disease. Yeah, I mean, what can you say, right? We're sitting here with 152,000 Americans dead uh, in a pandemic. Uh, we have some of the worst uh, rates of infection and death on the planet. Uh, Anthony Fauci has been a doctor his entire life, obviously worked on the AIDS crisis, obviously a renowned, you know, uh, renowned physician. And unfortunately, as part of his job, he has to sit and listen to stupid, inane questions by idiots that get elected uh, to Congress from people who are dumb enough to vote for them. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to watch. It's particularly embarrassing and dangerous when we have, you know, over uh, a million people infected and over 152,000 dead and counting, and we, know, we don't know when that count ends. Uh, and so it's shameful, really. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than Jim Jordan and his idiot friends. You know, it's just stupid. The fact that, you know, you want to reroute the narrative, you want to make a YouTube tape for yourself, for your constituents to look at or for you to put on your website, and that that has become the reason that you sit in Congress, that has become the reason that you are questioning a physician is trying to save lives in this country and waste everybody's time, waste that physician's time, uh, waste precious time off the clock as people are dying. It doesn't get any more embarrassing. It doesn't get any more stupid. I do think we're probably going to see some sort of a wave election on November 3rd, because at some point, you know, people have had enough. And when you have 40 million people who file for unemployment uh, and this many people dead, Right. Uh, maybe, perhaps, this is the moment. One could only hope so, because I don't know what else can happen to so, convince some of these people to stop voting for these idiots to come into Congress and, and sit and right. ask dumbass questions. So, 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 hold on. So, so, Derek, I'm going to show another idiot. This is really funny. So, this guy, uh, Blaine... Why are these people idiots and Democrats not? No, 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 because, because, no, I'm about to... No, no, wait, wait, because I'm about to explain to you. So, here's a guy, Representative Blaine uh, Luke Kamire, whatever it is, uh, he's, a, he's a farmer. He later owned a bank uh, and worked as an insurance agent. And so Fauci, who's a doctor, they're talking about hydrochloroquine. L listen to this exchange. Things, uh, you made a comment a while ago with regards to hydroxychloroquine. And I have a, uh, an article here that uh, quotes the Henry Ford Health System, who did an extensive study on hydroxychloroquine, and they say that it significantly reduces the death rate of COVID patients. Uh, the study was highly analyzed by uh, peer and peer-reviewed, unlike many other studies. And uh, the quoting the executive officer said, as doctors and scientists, we look at the data for insight, and the data here is clear. There was a benefit to using the drug as a treatment for sick and hospitalized patients. And in talking with a lot of older doctors who have been around a while and uh, I trust their judgment and their, their, their use of hydroxychloroquine, they say it, that the initial studies um, didn't really use zinc with it. 
and they say that zinc is, is an enabler to be able to help hydroxychloroquine actually do its job of, of uh, going after and, and, and reducing uh, deaths in patients. Had a long conversation with a doctor earlier in the week, and he said, yes, as long as zinc is there, it, it really definitely does work. Without it, it's minimally effective. Would you like to comment on that? Thank you for that opportunity to comment. The Henry Ford Hospital uh, study that was published was a non-controlled retrospective cohort study uh, that was confounded by a number of issues, including the fact that many of the people who were receiving hydroxychloroquine were also receiving corticosteroids, which we know from another study gives a clear benefit in reducing deaths with advanced disease. Um, so that study is a flawed study, and I think anyone who examines it carefully is that it is not a randomized placebo-controlled trial. It's so peer-reviewed. It doesn't matter. You can peer-review something that's a bad study, but the fact is it is not a randomized placebo-controlled trial. The point that I think is important, because we all want to keep an open mind, any and all of the randomized placebo-controlled trials, which is the gold standard of determining if something is effective, None of them had shown any efficacy for hydroxychloroquine. Derek, he's like, but, but, but it's peer-reviewed. Well, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm baffled. I don't understand at what point, when in history, have peer reviews not been taken seriously? Because the, because the point... Me, no, no, hold on. You say when. The, 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 no, the point that Fauci was stating is... The second thing I want to ask... The second thing I want to ask is... Hold on, you asked the first one, sure let's answer it. I'm sure Hold on, you asked the first on one, can we, hold on, wait, wait, you asked the I'm first sure. one, can we answer the first one before you go to the second no, one? No, I'm not finished. No, wait, hold on, no, you said, you said, let me, you said. And I said second, let me finish. Hold up, we're going to answer the first cool. one, and then you can ask the second one. So, to no, answer. That's no, how I, I want to do it. Well, that's how I, I want to do it. Derek, 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 that's how we're going to do it. We're going to answer one question. Derek, Derek, Derek. It's like when I have two questions, I ask the first one, get an answer to well, it, then it. I ask so the second one. Show. Well, so right. No, no, right. but that's actually how hosts do it. So, okay, here's the deal. So, so no, 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 no. So, you asked, no, no. Of course, we're going to do it my way. So, you asked, how is it? How is it a peer review? So, here's it. No, 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 no. I'm going to bring all three of you in. You asked peer review. No, you asked Fauci, Fauci, Derek, Fauci answered it. He said no, just because no, it's... Didn't. Hold on. This is the deal. This is just real simple. I'm going to play again Fauci's answer. I want you to Look, listen. No, I, 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 I want you to my, listen I'm to his... Hold question. up. Hold up. You asked, when do we not pay attention to peer review? Fauci answered it. Folks, That's press no. play. Press I play, folks. That's Fauci. Press play. Thank you for that opportunity to comment. The Henry Ford Hospital uh, study that was published was a non-controlled retrospective cohort study uh, that was confounded by a number of issues, including the fact that many of the people who were receiving hydroxychloroquine were also receiving corticosteroids, which we know from another study gives a clear benefit in reducing deaths with advanced disease. Um, so that study is a flawed study, and I think anyone who examines it carefully is that it is not a randomized placebo-controlled trial. It's so peer-reviewed. It doesn't matter. You can peer-review something that's a bad study, but the fact is it is not a randomized placebo-controlled trial. Okay, so there, he just said you can peer... Let me finish. He can say you can peer-review a bad study. That answers your question. Next thing I was going to say, if I can ever finish on your show... Go ahead. 
everybody on this panel has, you know, didn't agree with their doctor and we got a second opinion. Why the hell does Dr. Fauci got to be the end all to be all? We can get a second opinion because there are other doctors who disagree with Dr. Fauci. Uh, and that... they have PhDs just like him and they're not wrong for disagreeing with Dr. Fauci. I got a question like for you. I'm not wrong for disagreeing with what y'all have to say. Actually, if we're, sta if we're stating facts and you're not stating facts, oh, then you okay. could be wrong. But, but, no, no, but, he, but Rob, here's the deal. Rob, here's the deal. This is the person who is head of the, what? NIH? This, 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 this is the person who, I, well, of course you don't care, but this is the person, this is the, per, this is the person who, no, he's just not just a doctor. There's like, he's not he's that, Rob, he's just not that crazy woman down in Texas uh, who believed in okay. demon sperm and demon DNA. Okay. No. That's and, your opinion, and, and so, uh, no, it's That's actually, 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 it's not my opinion. It's, it's my oh, opinion, it's, but also, if, 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 I, if I hold up Fauci and That's the crazy sister in Texas, opinions. I'm probably not going to listen to the crazy sister in Texas Doctors who says there is, there, there is demon sperm. Rob, go ahead. Rob, go ahead. Rob, go ahead. Rob, Rob is talking. Not much of a different opinion when it comes to this. There are things that we know, and unfortunately, the right has become an exercise in stupidity. Like, who can be dumbest the fastest? We're arguing science. We're arguing Rob is talking. Rob is talking. Finish your point, then I'll go to another guest. Go ahead. Yeah, we're arguing if the earth spins. We're arguing if the earth is flat. Like, we're... They're, they're arguing facts. Well, it's not about argument. saying, you know, Dr. Fauci is the end-all, be-all. Dr. Fauci is talking about how science that's works and what and what Republicans are trying to do is pretend like, just like you do with climate change, like, oh, that doesn't exist and that's just made up. No, these are facts. Like 99% of doctors agreeing and, and people that are looking at the facts and, and reasoning, not trying to make a president look not bad because he's a fool. And because Dr. Fossey is doing his job and you have an incompetent White House, these people are doing everything possible to deflect and blame and blame things on Dr. Fossey because you have an incompetent person in the White House. Like, we need to just follow science. We could have saved a lot more Lauren, people. Lauren, Lauren, one second, I'm bringing Lauren in. Lauren, this, this is the science. thing, Lauren, this is the thing for me that uh, is quite interesting. So, so when you hear Fauci talk about controlled, you hear him talk about placebo, He's talking about how doctors and scientists actually properly assess drugs. He's laying out protocol. But the, 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 excuse me, the member of Congress, Lauren, he's like, yeah, yeah, but, but it's peer review. And he's like, yeah, but they didn't follow the traditional protocols that you go through. Lauren, go ahead. Yeah, so last I checked, Anthony Fauci is an, an immunologist. Um, He's a doctor, went to medical school. Um, last I checked, Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan's a wrestling coach. Now, if you want to argue whether or not today is Friday, that's, that's fine. You want to argue whether or not today is, you know, the day in July, that's fine. But if we stick to facts, I think I'm going to trust a doctor that has, like, a medical degree before any of these members of Congress, to the exclusion of some of the doctors in Congress who are very smart. But, uh, you know, we've watched Rand Paul, who, who's a physician as well, ask some of the dumbest questions of Anthony Fauci and committee. I mean, at some point, you have to get serious when, like I said, 150,000 people are dead. You know, we're not—this is not a situation—this is an unprecedented situation with people dying by the tens of thousands. And we've got members of Congress that want to play games in a, in a, in a hearing— 
with uh, the top physician on this issue uh, so that they can make a little video for themselves to turn on their base for the election. It, it just, it, like I said, it's shameful, it's embarrassing, and I think that the Republican Party is going to pay a huge price this November. And that's why you see things like the Lincoln Project, because half the party has figured out we can't continue to be this stupid in public. Mm, mm, and mm. hopefully that bears some fruit on Election Day. Mm. This is why you got the president trying to steal the election with his nonsense, because he knows it's coming. And mm. all the polls and all the indicators indicate that, in fact, we are going to have a realignment in November. All right, so I, d I do want, uh, I'm going to let Derek respond. I want to play this soundbite from Congressman Jim Clyburn from today's hearing uh, uh, before I do so. Go. Can you help us understand why? While Europe has largely contained the virus, the United States has seen a continued rise in new cases. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. The answer that, to that question is really somewhat complex, but I'll try maybe to very briefly go through what I believe are at least some of the factors that were involved. If you look at what happened in Europe when they shut down or locked down or went to shelter in place, however you want to describe it, they really did it to the tune of about 95 plus percent of the country did that. When you actually look at what we did, even though we shut down, even though it created a great deal of difficulty, we really functionally shut down only about 50% in the sense of the totality of the country, which means when we reached our peak, as they did, they came down almost to a low baseline, as you've shown very clearly. But take a look at what happened to our baseline. We came up, down, and then we plateaued at about 20,000 cases a day. So we started off with a very difficult baseline of transmission that was going on at the time that we try to open up the country. And when we opened up the country, what we saw particularly most recently in the southern states was an increase of cases to 20, 30, 40, 50, and a couple of weeks ago it was up to 70,000 per day, and now it's down between 50 and 60. And the reasons for that are complex. There were some states that did it very well, and there were some states that did not. And when I say did not, I mean, you know, we put out, as Ranking Member Scalise mentioned, the guidelines of a gateway, phase one, phase two, phase three. Some were followed very carefully and some were not. Derek, the reason I thought that was important, because every time we hear Donald Trump talk, he's like, oh, we're doing great. We're doing great, but way better than Europe. Oh, we, we have tested more. We're doing more. So why are we still seeing 60 and 70,000 cases? That's leadership. That's leadership. That's, that's leadership. And unfortunately, because you asked earlier, why is this political? Because part of the problem is that where we're seeing the skyrocketing cases in states led by Republican governors who are refusing to listen to the doctors. Um, I don't know if that's the case in every state, Roland. You know, different, they, they, look, they laid it out. Initially, the states were like, oh, we don't want the federal government involved. We want to do it ourselves. So it's like, okay, we'll actually, come up with a plan. Actually, that's not, that's not what the states. Each cannot finish do. I don't never get to finish my statement. But that's a factually incorrect statement. What is incorrect? The states actually said, 
We are looking for the federal government to lead. And then when Donald Trump said, hey, this y'all problem, they were like, well, damn, we got to figure this amongst ourselves. That's actually what happened. So the states have so the states are rolled rolled out the plan, Roland. Did they not? No. The states rolled out the, the sta plan. No, the states, the states. No, 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 no. The states said, federal government, where is the national plan? Donald Trump was like, yo, this on y'all. And the states then, different states and regions got together and said, since he is not going to leave, we have... No, 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 but you just, you said, they then said, we... No, you just said something that's just factually incorrect. You said the states rolled their plan out. The states rolled their plan out after the federal government refused to implement a national plan. They had no choice. And the problem was, it wasn't all states. George, different. Most of your southern states were like, nope, no to mask mandates. Nope, we're not going to shut everything down. Nope, we're not going to do widespread testing because they were all following Donald Trump's lead. Correct. So what happened in May? Well, in, here's in, my thing. If y'all have all the answers, let me put you in contact with some folks because y'all have all the answers. No. And if y'all no, have no, no, all no, no, the answers, no. y'all keep y'all been keeping them to yourself. No. Actually, the people, actually the people you want to put us in actually the people actually the people you want to put us in contact with ain't listen no. to their own experts. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm trying to put you in contact because y'all got all the answers. Doesn't know what he, Governor Sanders doesn't know what he's doing. All the answers. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Derek, Derek. In May, in May, in May, Ron DeSantis stood in front of the media outside of the White House with Vice President Mike Pence and wagged his finger and y'all said we were going to see spikes and y'all said we were going to see deaths and he was going on and on and on. He said, we haven't seen none of that. Y'all owe me an apology. Four weeks later, spikes, deaths, skyrocketing. And then it was like... In January, the president shut down travel from 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 Europe. Actually, you know, actually, he did. Joe Biden said he was a xenophobe. Actually, for he did. Remember that? Actually, Nancy Pelosi said, "Come on down to China." No, 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 Derek, Derek, Derek. Let me also give you a fact. Donald Trump Man, gave it. Donald Trump gave an interview. No, 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 no. Donald Trump, Derek, 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 Derek. Let me help you. Donald Trump gave it. Donald Trump gave. Donald Trump gave an interview on CNBC. He said, "There's one." person from China with it in America. A okay. week later, he said, a week, hold on, wait, some, wait, 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 wait. A week later, Donald Trump <laughs> said, we have 15 okay, cases wrong. in America. We'll soon be down to zero. That actually came out of his mouth. Right now, Derek, right now, Derek, we have 152,000 dead. Okay. Rob, go ahead. Hold on a second, We're not saying we have all the answers. We can just tell, like, we know it's Friday. Like, we know it's Friday. We know some certain facts. And, you know, no matter how much you might want to defend somebody because they're from your party, this guy is not I'm doing not a good job. I'm not defending anyone, Rob. Hold, hold on. That's hold on. The hold on. I'm hold, not defending hold anymore. Hold on. Hold on. Relax. Relax. All I'm saying is Trump. Wait a minute. Trump has done a, not only a bad job, he's done a horrible job. He's both incompetent and corrupt. And now he's put people's lives at risk just because what he wanted to prove a political point. Honestly, had he been a normal president, he probably would have had a chance to pivot from this and show some leadership. 
A normal president would have taken the reins, would have said, this is our national response. He refused to do that. And then you had governors like Governor DeSantis, which he said this, said, oh, we're going to be the net. Oh, you guys were saying that we were going to have all these deaths, just like just like Roland said. They have surpassed New York, surpassed them. We have full leaders. We have the guy, the the governor of of Georgia, who who is trying to get rid of mass mandates just to look good for Trump. Like that's stupid. That's not. And so I want to say this: we have, we do have a Republican governor here in Ohio who has rejected what Trump has done. He's not been perfect, but he's tried to actually go for the evidence here in Ohio. He's done that. Same as same as Republican governor in Maryland, Larry Hogan, because you have. So you have. So it's not Republican. It's common sense. Right. but but the that's it. right. In fact, the governor of Alabama, Kay Ivey, she said, "No, nah, we're gonna have a mask mandate. We're gonna close businesses Y'all down." You my point. Why is it gotta be? Why is it gotta be political? That's all I was saying. Because like, most like, you got no, uh, no, here, because most here. because that's why? Because most gotta be political because, every time somebody out mouth. Because most of the stupid people who are making decisions are Republicans. That's yeah, an and, and and they that put us right. in this position. Let me say this because I wish. Hey, Derek. I Rob, Rob, twenty seconds. Next story. Go. I, I'll be very quick. Like wearing a mask became political because Trump said I'm not going to go out and wear a mask, and then suddenly he wears a mask and now saving people's lives. Like he should have done that from the beginning. It shouldn't be political. This is stupid. Period. Simple as that. All right, folks. Our next story: Black uh, clergy leaders from across the country have signed an open letter to Vice President Joe Biden, insisting that he choose one of the black women political leaders for vice president. They believe that having a black woman on the ticket offers the best scenario for Democrats to be victorious in the 2020 presidential election. Joining us right now is one of the signees, Reverend Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, co-chair of the National Black Clergy Network. Uh, We obviously are getting to the point, uh, Dr. Skinner, where uh, Biden has to make a decision. We've seen these stories now where you got uh, folks who are crapping on Senator Kamala Harris. Now they're saying, oh, they're down to compare her to Congresswoman Karen Baz. Uh, you got Ambassador Susan Rice. You got all this sort of stuff along those lines. Y'all aren't picking a winner among the black women. Y'all are saying you just better pick a black woman, correct? We're saying at the time that we're in, Roland, with voter suppression on steroids, with what is at stake, being so high, with democracy literally at stake, that we don't have time and we have no do-overs. We need the best organized, energized, engaged black community, white community, young people's community possible. We don't have that. We need vitality in this race. We need everybody who can vote out voting. They're trying to suppress the vote, stop the mail, slow down the mail, discourage people. We saw the impact of that in 2017. You know, in 2012, the black vote turnout was higher than the white vote turnout ever in history. It went down in 2016 with voter suppression. We're saying voter suppression is even more incredibly in your face. It's at the George Wallace level right now. So we need the best candidate who can help this party win, and that is a black woman. But you got these white progressives who say, no, they want Elizabeth, Senator Elizabeth Warren. We're saying, we're giving you the benefit. The issue is this. Do you want to win? You want the base that's been the most faithful over the years? Not just black people, but black women have been that base that you could count on. You want that base out and energized. That's the point. You want to win or do you want to win? The issue is that we we don't have a do-over. Our community is going to be hurt harder than others 
more white Asians, Native Americans, Latinos than any other. We don't have the opportunity to get this right. We're almost at the point now where we're losing voting rights. We have fair housing kicked to the gutter by this uh, administration. What will happen in another four years to our democracy? We're saying we have an opportunity now. People have not been in the street for the same thing. They want change. We're talking about what would look like change in America right now, and that is a black woman on the ticket helping this candidate to win. Um, one of the things that, and again, so uh, if you look at the folks who is on his short list, uh, Senator Kamala Harris, Congresswoman Karen Bass, Congresswoman Val Demings, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, and former National Security Advisor and UN Ambassador uh, Susan Rice. There are others who is considering as well that decision is going to come down real soon. Look, I agree with you. I, I, I've, I've been saying for the longest, Biden has no choice but to pick a black woman because the reality is black voters were the ones who saved his behind uh, when we came to South Carolina. And then if he does not, what he does, he guarantees the critics to say, see, there you go. Black folks being yep. the black folks being political sharecroppers, saving your butt, but then not having a return on their investment. We have more than the top of the ticket rolling. We've got the Senate, the House. We've got down ballot, Jarrah's races, all of the other races that impact our policing, our schools, our housing, our wealth gap, our criminal justice system. I'm saying in my lifetime, I don't know when the stakes have been higher and your lifetime. And we have an opportunity now. We're either going to take it and go forward or we're going to go back and, and we're going to regret it. We have an opportunity to win with the best. Uh, we have an opportunity to show the world that Black Lives Matter, that in fact we have the best candidates among all of those Black women. We think the president-to-be is going to really have a, a partner who can make a difference in the White House, and we're offering the best. All right. Uh Pastor Barbara Skinner, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Lauren, I want to go to you. Does he have no choice? Will he pick a black woman? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he does have no choice. He, when he sort of boxed himself in on the idea of I'm only going to, you know, I'm going to pick a female running mate, that sort of boxed him in right there. I think, frankly, the activist community has done a really good job of pushing the idea of an African-American female. And I've always thought that it was going to be Kamala Harris, but, you know, I can see that the Susan Rice thing is building and he knows her from the administration. So you, so you, so you, you think you, for you, you think the pick is going to be Susan Rice? Uh, no, I actually think it was, gonna, I think it's going to be Kamala Harris. Okay. Actually. Rob, one, uh, but Susan go. Rice is, uh, is, is sort of snuck in there. Personally, I think she's boring, but that's just me. I also think that when you're 77 years old, uh, you do have to be very careful not to get into Sarah Palin territory. It is not to suggest that uh, Senator Rice, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Senator Harris is in that territory. I, I think she's qualified, certainly, to be vice president of the United States. I'm just saying that, you know, there are some people on the list that I would, I, I think that it could be a question mark as to whether or not they would be prepared to take over the presidency uh, you know, got it. In a got it, yeah. Rob. Yeah, I remember we had this conversation months ago, pre, pre George Floyd, pre protest, and my statement then was, I don't think he's going to do it. Now my statement is that he has. To, he, I think he was already under pressure. He has to do it in this moment. Uh, I would believe it's going to be 
uh, Kamala Harris would have the tip just because I think it's very hard to try to introduce somebody to the national stage at the very last minute for the last two months of a campaign. And, 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 we, and we haven't seen these folks go out. We don't know some of the other folks is, uh, I guess, you know, what they have, skeletons in their closet, what will come out, the attacks that are coming against them. I think commonly you know what those are. You should be able to prepare for them. But again, I'll take any black woman that's there. I'll be proud if they come up and, uh, you know, we'll see. Derek, does he have any choice but to pick a black woman? Uh, yes, I think he does. And I think anybody, for us to stand up here is purely speculation. Um, well, I'm, well, on, I, well back, obviously it's speculation. Ago, <laughs> you know, I mean... <laughs> That's the definition of speculation. Anyway, Charlie. That's like saying the, that's like saying the sky I, is blue. It's blue. Go ahead, Derek. As I was saying. You damn Omegas. Go ahead. A few months ago, when Stacey Abrams was getting a lot of the nod for the VP, I said to some people, I said, well, Stacey Abrams, you know what? She can't raise enough money. And I got a bunch of pushback and a lot from people when I said that. And I think that's a huge factor. Who can raise the most money to go after and, and compete with Donald Trump? And so when you start looking at that, I think Kamala Harris could. But at the other, on the flip of I think Elizabeth Warren would be the best one suited to do that. That's my take on it. Okay. All right. Here's the deal, folks. Joe Biden's going to pick a black woman. He got, he's had no choice but to pick an African-American woman. Uh, he absolutely has to have significant black turn, turnout. And if he does not pick an African-American woman to be his VP nominee, what he does is, is guarantee this whole narrative that he is dissing black folks when they're the ones who saved his political hide after he lost Iowa, after he lost New Hampshire, after he lost Nevada. And so that's what it is. I think the pick is going to be Senator Kamala Harris. My dark horse is Congresswoman Val Demings. That's what I think. All right, y'all. Right, we, we got a new batch of um, vi online viral ads. Roll it. Our failed president. The worst economy in U.S. history. More Americans have died in this four-month period than ever before. Donald Trump's response? Stop the election. He can't win. We voted during the wars. We voted in the Great Depression. We voted when civil unrest swept the country. Americans died for our right to vote. Americans marched for our right to vote. Americans were beaten and brutalized for our right to vote. Now a failed president faces defeat with millions out of work and tens of thousands dying from his incompetence and neglect, threatening the very foundations of democracy. Donald Trump, here's the message. We will vote. We will defend America. We will throw you and your failed cronies out of office. The choice, America or Trump. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. America, we need to have a tough conversation. We need to talk about what the next 98 days are going to look like. Trump can't run on the economy because he's destroyed it. And he cannot run on his response to the coronavirus because it is a disaster with 150,000 dead. So Donald Trump is going to play three cards in his final days before the election. Card number one, he's going to start a civil war. He's going to sell hate. Black lives don't matter at all to me. White lives matter. 
knows he doesn't have the black or Latino vote. Look at my African-American over here. They're rapists. So his plan is to scare the hell out of white people. You can't do the mail-in ballots because you're going to have tremendous fraud. His entire campaign will boil down to if you don't elect Trump, black and Latino people will fall from the sky and take over the country. They got the gun on me. Got away. She got the gun on me. With the full support of Bill Barr, Trump is sending officers into major cities to incite riots. Violent rioters and anarchists. He creates the images, then uses them to fundraise and scare white voters. There is no one here to answer your emergency call. Card number two. He's going to promise a vaccine that is not remotely ready. Trump lies about everything, and he's betting that he can sell you on the promise of a vaccine before the election. As soon as a vaccine is approved, which could be very, very soon. It would take then about a year to a year and a half to be fully confident that we would have a vaccine that would be able to protect the American people. And even then, it's complicated. Because the best case scenario is likely a two-dose vaccine given 30 days apart to 350 million Americans. That's 700 million doses. Think about how badly testing went wrong. Do you think the vaccine is gonna go much better? Card number three. He's going to try an October surprise on Joe Biden. It will be big, loud, and another lie. And if history is any indicator, it will be widely covered by the media without any vetting. Trump can't run on his record, so he's going to run on fear and false promises. Right, and then I see the disinfectant. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection? He'll promise anything to get reelected. All right, folks, that Don Winslow ad, Lauren, when he says he wants to scare white voters, that's the plan. It's real clear. It's very clear. Um, you know, the sad part, of course, is that I, I suspect there's not anywhere near uh, as many uh, white voters out there as Donald, uh, as stupid as Donald Trump. Like, uh, this idea that, you know, Donald Trump thinks that everybody is stupid like he is, is, I think, completely faulty. And that's why you're seeing in, in a lot of these battleground states, uh, particularly with white women specifically, uh, uh, the polls are showing that they are hugely against Donald Trump. So this strategy is going to be a big loser. You know, this idea that it's, you know, 1920 or 1940, I mean, that's the world that Donald Trump, unfortunately, lives in. Uh, it's really sad. We already know he's one of the most—he's probably the most dangerous president that we've had, you know, in American history, unfortunately. I do think we're going to get to a conversation here with regard to whether or not the military district of Washington or somebody is going to have to take him out at noon on Jan 20, 2021, because he'll play with this idea of not leaving or play with this idea that the election is not legit. And for no other reason than he just, you know, wants to be in control of things. He, he at some level, even somebody who's so deeply stupid and narcissistic as Donald Trump at some point has to realize he has no idea what he's doing. You know, he's a glorified fake ass real estate agent that lucked into the presidency, uh, you know, had 2.8 million votes fewer than Hillary Clinton. He has no idea what he's doing. I suspect there's people in the White House, you know, that are close to him. I mean, family members that understand that they have no idea what they're doing, probably secretly thinking and secretly hoping that they lose this thing and go back to New York because it is it is extremely, extremely dangerous situation that we have in front of us right now. 
Um, Derek, I think absolutely uh, this this whole idea of, again, you know, trying to scare the hell uh, out of white people. But here's the deal, though. He's scaring the hell out of white people. We, we, we talk about coronavirus. I want to uh, show you this. The folks said COVID-19 tracking. This is what they just dropped 38 minutes ago. Go to my iPad. Our daily update is published. States reported 889,000 tests today, the second highest total ever, along with 68,000 cases. States reported 1,308 deaths today as the seven-day average continues to rise. And you see those numbers there. Look, bottom line is here. He would love to run the economy, but... Coronavirus and how it's going, not good news for Donald Trump. His only tactic is to scare these white folks to vote. You know, again, y'all offer a lot of opinion on this show. That's the point. Oh, my God. That's the point. Your opinion. Y'all offer a lot of opinion on this show. And unfortunately, everybody don't agree with y'all's opinion. And when everybody, when people don't agree with your opinion, it don't make them stupid. It don't make them wrong. They just don't agree with you. Some folks are stupid and wrong. No, oh, man, come on now. Dude, so if I don't agree with everything that you're saying, I'm stupid and wrong. No, 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 no. Some people are stupid and wrong. Yeah, Donald, Donald Trump so, is stupid so, and wrong. So, so okay. the hundreds of millions of Americans that agree with him are all stupid and wrong. Well, actually, I, I, hold, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. You just said the hundreds of millions of Americans that agree with him. First of all, the, um, wait, 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 no, hold on, no, hold on, no, no. Wait, 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 hold up. Wait, wait, you just said the hundreds of millions of Americans. Americans that agree with him are ignorant and stupid. Yes. Is what you're saying. Yes, Rob, your point. Rob, go ahead. Then I'm an ignorant and stupid ass too. Rob, go ahead. Well, I want to say this. I'm going to just be off your show. If I'm an ignorant, stupid ass, too. Rob, go ahead. If, if you're going to not wear a mask because a president, because this president tells you not to, would you call that smart? Would you call it smart that you know you have an infectious disease and you see people dying that you're going to continue to do that? I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's a smart thing to do. I don't think it's a wise thing to do. I don't think it's a prudent thing to do. If you want to do that, that is your constitutional right to do that. People have a constitutional right to do as dumb as they want to. But you know what? But you know what? But you would. But you. But but then you you don't have a right to put others in uh, in jeopardy. That's that's the problem. And so you don't have a right to call people stupid because they don't agree with you. Yes, I can. No, I'm saying it's stupid not to wear a mask when you know you you're putting yourself at risk. Why would you want to do that to yourself and your family? It's selfish. Is that too? You want to say all those things? Those are selfish, stupid things to do. Well, people and agree it's with not you. Help us. They're not going to help us. They're not stupid because they don't agree. They're saying I'm they're saying that Donald Trump is stupid, stupid because they don't agree with you. They're stupid. I'm not no, saying that. One second. One second. One second. Hold on. No. Wait. 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 Right. No. Wait. Wait. Here's the deal. I'm going back to what I'm going back to what the top. I'm going back if, to. If I'm so stupid, don't have me back on here. Well, no, no, because here's the deal. It's important for people to see and hear stupid. But here's the deal. 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 Well, that's fine. But you can be replaced. Here's the whole deal. I started off. I started off by saying. I started off. I started off by saying. I started off by saying. Like, like, seriously, Derek, now you're really acting like an Omega. Here's the whole deal. I started off by saying, is Donald Trump going to scare white people? That was the whole point of it. And yes, Donald Trump is trying to scare white people. That's what he's trying to do. It's abundantly clear. It's real clear. Rob, 
Laurent, make your final point. We'll see if Derek wants to come back, uh, yeah. but uh, he says he signed off. But well, go ahead. Well, baby. Yeah, but, they, but I mean, but, but that's but but that's what the writers try to do. They're trying to get people outraged that they're calling you stupid. They're trying to take away your country. They're taking away your First Amendment rights to go to the church. No, we're not. We're trying to make sure you live. And we're trying to get you to listen to facts. And I don't want anybody to die anymore when they don't have to. That is stupid to go out to a political rally just because he tells you to when he's going to go out and wear a mask, but he's going to put you at risk. That's not smart. That's not wise. It's reckless. Why do this? Like, this is not this is not smart. And we can do better things as Americans. Let, let's actually argue over tax policy and things like that. Let's go back to arguing over that, not arguing over scientific facts. Stop it. This is crazy. Go ahead, Lauren. Look, people who want to sit on TV and cape for these idiots, give me a break. I mean, what, what do you... Is Derek getting a little paycheck from these people? Like, what are you proving? Like, defending Donald Trump. Donald Trump is one of the stupidest presidents we've had in American history. And his inaction, his lack of having a plan, uh, has contributed to the deaths of 150,000 Americans. Like, what, what more do you need to happen at this point? And if you want to be an idiot and get on and defend that, okay, it's a free country. The First Amendment is there for a reason. But you think if I am or anybody else is going to sit here and not call this out for what it is on a daily basis, you got to be out of your mind. And here's the deal. And here's the deal. And and, and so what? And and, and here's the deal. And and here's the deal. Very simple. My last comment on this topic. Here's the deal. They call us. No, 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 no. Here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. (laughs) If I disagree with you, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to push back. Now, you could be all upset, mad, like, oh, my God, why are you disagreeing with me? But going to disagree with you. Get over it. It's going to happen. Now, here's the deal. If you don't want to come back, you ain't got to come on. But I was being very factual. I will replace you. The deal is real simple. I don't care. I've had other people who say, I'm not coming back. Okay. There will be a panel on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. (laughs) Got to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with St. Louis uh, uh, attorney uh, Kim Gardner. Uh, She is under, she's been under constant duress because folks do not want to see a black woman as a top attorney in St. Louis. That's She's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. All right, St. Louis couple... The St. Louis couple charged with illegally pointing guns at protesters outside of their home last month. They want to disqualify circuit attorney, St. Louis circuit attorney, Kimlet Gardner, from their case, claiming she exploited the confrontation for political gain. This is only the latest attack against Gardner. Folks, they have been targeting her, trying to stop her from doing her job from the moment she got in. She joins us right now on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Kim, glad to have you back. How you doing, Roland? How so, you been doing? So now you're exploiting this for political gain, really? Simply not true. But that's the fear tactic of um, President Donald Trump and the Senator Josh Hawley of my state, as well as now Governor Parsons and Attorney General Schmidt. They're using their political pandering to distract from the COVID-19 pandemic that they have failed on every level of leadership to address. And we have increasing deaths in the state of Missouri. 
And, and, and the thing here is, again, and, and for folks who don't know, uh, and, you know they have been, I mean, you have been constantly attacked for every move. Just, just give our viewers and listeners an understanding of the hell they have been putting you through uh, since you became circuit attorney. Well, every chance I, I have enacted reform in the, in the city of St. Louis and been successful in spite of all the vitriol that has been lodged against me on every level. You know, I was the, the prosecutor that held the former governor, Eric Greitens, accountable. And, and, and basically, this is the political attacks that continue to be lodged against me because it's not about Kim Gardner. It's about um, silencing the will of the people. And if you remember, I was on your show previously talking about um, the lawsuit I lodged against the city and as well as um, the powerful few that continue to impede the w the will of the voters. And that's what this is about. This is about the you know election is August 4th and the people of the city of St. Louis can decide whether they want to continue with a reform on a prosecutor like myself. But we have people like President Donald Trump, as well as Senator Josh Hawley and the attorney general, Eric Schmidt, who want to also use this because they're running August 4th. And they've never um, ran for the office. They were appointed. And so they're using this political pandering to a base to cause racial divide. And we all know that it exists, the fear of racial divide and the fear of reform in the city of St. Louis. And that's what, what is at stake. Now, you're, so explain to people also, you're a circuit attorney, but then you have Wesley Bell, who is, is he County DA, explain to people what the difference prosecuting is. Attorney. We call the circuit attorney is like a DA everywhere else, and we call the other uh, prosecutors in the state prosecuting attorneys. So I'm the only circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis. Okay, so you're basically the St. Louis City DA. Yes. And he's the county DA. Yes. Okay, which is also a weird system there because, like for instance, I'm from Houston. We have a Harris County DA. There's a county DA. There's no city DA. So St. Louis is, is set up a little bit. I mean, that, that Eric, Missouri is set up a lot different in terms of how you sort of have these roles. Yeah, I mean, we have 114 uh, uh, DAs in our state, and I happen to be a county within a county, and so I'm called the circuit attorney, and I only cover the city of St. Louis. And so, um, and, and again, when you talk about, um, um, you know, the attacks, um, you know, we had you on before, and I mean, they literally went to court and said, uh, you can't pursue cases. Uh, you've had state Republicans trying to get you removed from cases as well, saying you didn't have any jurisdiction. You've been fighting for, uh, you, 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 you laid out an investigation that, that, that said that, that is, I guess it was a black man, did not commit a crime, should not be in prison. They basically said, you don't have standing. I mean, it's like every effort to do your job, they have been trying to block. Yes, I mean, this is the, I mean, if you look at it, this is the attacks that um, the reform out of African-American female prosecutors around this country, like a Marilyn Mosby, like a Kim Fox and Aramis Ayala and many others, Stephanie Morales, many others face. Um, this has been the repeated attacks that have been directed by Attorney General uh, William Barr, which he called for um, these uh attacks against reform minor prosecutors, and this has been um, supported by the president, uh, Donald Trump, because this is about the war on um, justice, the war on criminal justice reform, that they want to bring it back to mass incarceration, which we all know failed, and this is the fear of the war on drugs all over again in 2020. So this is really a distraction from their failed leadership on every level of government to address 
the this national crisis, a pandemic, COVID-19, where African-Americans and people around this country are dying at alarming rates. And the Missouri governor and other elected Republican officials who have failed to expand access to health care, to expand access to adequate um, resources to address the COVID-19 and to care about the essential workers. They want to distract and they also want to usurp the will of the people. So this is about the local elections that the Republican Party um, on every level have now decided to attack the local elected reform-minded prosecutors to usurp the the will of their voters and to actually um, determine how we are elected by injecting themselves in our jurisdiction. And that's what this is about. This is about people um, criticizing the prosecutorial discretion that a prosecutor in my position has had since 1831. And why is my my discretion um, basically uh, challenged every step of the way? We're showing video right now. This was a news conference from several months ago. Uh, where Marilyn Mosby and those other uh, black DAs were standing with you. Uh, And yeah, I mean, black females have been under attack across this country. Aramis Ayala in Florida, Marilyn Mosby there. Uh, I mean, we can go uh, Kim Fox uh, in uh, in uh, Chicago. We can go on and on and on because you have folks who have been in power and they do not want to see change agents in DA positions. But the attacks are, are they have um, this unique vitriol against us. They dehumanize us, and this intersection of race and sexism is is real. I've been told that I should be strung up by a tree by the KKK. I've also been told that they want to see a bullet in my head. And because of the attacks of President um, Donald Trump on how the the sitting elected prosecutor does their job, um, also I've had uh, people coming from Ohio white supremacists and many other individuals coming out, protesting outside my home. And so it's not just uh, critique and criticism. It's actually dangerous and fear for us to do our job the right way. And it's truly about justice. And so when you have these attacks where you have, you see examples of the attorney general of my state who wants to call for prosecutorial discretion in the Michael Flynn case, but he does not lodge prosecutorial discretion when we have wrongfully convicted individuals like Lamar Johnson languishing in prison, when we have overwhelming evidence that my conviction integrity unit found out that this person is it needs to be released, then he he fights against this this these types of cases. But then he wants to talk about upholding the Constitution, and so I we we have to question these political motives of people who pander to for political reasons. But then they want to use us as saying we're pandering to a political decision and, and we're doing our job. I mean, the only thing that gets the benefit of the doubt is justice. That's it. All right, then. Kim Gardner, when is the e- what is the primary? When is the election? It's August 4th. It's coming up. All right, soon. then. And, and, and we're fighting. All right, then. Well, we'll surely be watching those election results. Uh, good luck in it. Thank you. All I right. Appreciate you, Mr. Roland, Th- thank you for allowing me on here. Absolutely. Thank we appreciate it. Thanks Bye-bye. a bunch. All right, folks, let's talk about uh, this story out of Alabama. Talk about some of these crazy people. An Alabama lawmaker has resigned as the pastor of a church because he attended the birthday celebration of a Klan leader. Alabama Republican Will Dismuse of Prattville stepped down from his role at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church on Wednesday following a meeting with church officials. Now again, he attended a celebration for Confederate Army General and former KKK leader Nathan Bedford Forrest. Yeah, y'all, he's a state lawmaker. Now, 
Let's go to this story here. Uh, in uh, Harper's Wood, Michigan, uh, the mayor, Kenneth Pointer, he has resigned. Go to my uh, iPad. This is the Detroit News. The city of uh, this apparently um, over comments he made regarding uh, white supremacists. Now, they laid out uh, the statement here. During a meeting last week with community leaders and city department heads, Pointer reportedly told them, I understand why white people would become white supremacists. Well, let's just say that pissed off a lot of people. And so the city attorney released this statement. The city of Harper Woods has just accepted the resignation of Mayor Kenneth Pointer. It's a very difficult thing. Mayor Pointer has devoted much of his adult life to doing great things for those who live and come to visit the city of Harper Woods. He's gone above and beyond the call of duty to make Harper Woods a great place to live and do business. Unfortunately, the city does believe it's in the best interest that Mayor Pointer resign. We do not believe his comments were appropriate or reflect of those or reflect those who live and work in the city of Harper Woods. We also feel it's necessary in order that we can bring change and enhance the civil liberties and rights of each and every person within the city and those who come to visit on a daily basis. We wish Mayor Pointer well. Rob, it's hilarious, you see. The, the thing that we are seeing here, and it's not just because Trump is in there, but what we are seeing, we are seeing white folks be exposed for exactly who they are. And he is, his presence and his just blatant appeal to white supremacists has unleashed this across the country. Well, there's no question. I think, uh, you know, don't don't let your president get you in trouble because people think they can do it. They're like, now we can say it. We can do it because we have a president that's finally said what we all believe, which a lot of people don't believe that, but they believe that because they believe crazy stuff. So they're getting to the point to think they can do what Donald Trump can do, and you can't. You can't do that. And you know what? We're not going to stand for it because we're not going back. We're not going back to those days, and we're going to fight and we're going to move forward. We're not, it's not acceptable where we're at now, but we're certainly not going to go back to where we were in 1950. But I, you got some folks believing that they can do that because he has empowered this culture of hate and a culture that you can just feel good about white supremacy because he, you know, he says it all the time. So if the president says it, I should be able to say it. But you know what? You can't. And hopefully in November, we're going to show the president can't do this either. Lauren, they were pissed off because they're, they've been protesting in that place over Priscilla Slater, a black woman uh, who uh, was killed there. And so go back to uh, my iPad, please. Uh, Porner's wife, Margaret, allegedly tore up a demonstrator sign and one in which marchers gathered outside the couple's home, angering the mayor. So basically, these folks were protesting, these black people were protesting, and his inner white supremacists started talking out loud. Yeah, you know, I think the one of the things that has been really interesting to watch in the last maybe four or five weeks is people who are driven into action when somebody puts a Black Lives Matter sign up or writes Black Lives Matter on the ground. Um, it's a really sort of telling thing how uncomfortable people are uh, with that and this whole desecrating Black Lives Matter signs and being angry that people are saying Black Lives Matter is a very interesting viral video from Arkansas online right now, uh, a white gentleman with a Black Lives Matter sign and everybody reacting negatively to him. You know, it's telling. I think it points to the insecurity of the growing, uh, changing demographics in the United States. Um, it also, of course, gives you a very uh, worrisome glimpse into the vestiges of the history of the United States with regard to uh, the standing or lack of standing that African Americans have had for 400 years. But to me, uh, it's interesting also to juxtapose that with the amount of white folks that we've seen marching in the streets in favor of Black Lives Matter who are completely comfortable with saying Black Lives Matter and wearing the T-shirts and everything else. Uh, it, it's just, but it is amazing to see some of the people who are just, they just cannot take it. They cannot handle it. 
and again, they 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 reveal themselves. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for some breaking news here, go back, go to my iPad, please. Uh, and they're in Michigan. A 15, this is reading from the Detroit News. A 15-year-old Oakland County girl whose months-long detainment drew national condemnation because it was punishment for missed homework amid the pandemic was released Friday evening to the custody of her mother. The Michigan Court of Appeals ordered the girl's release earlier Friday from Children's Village, a juvenile detention facility in Pontiac, following outrage, marches, and public pressure from former presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton and others. The teen was picked up around 5 p.m. by her mother. Of course, uh, the uh, judge ordered saying that she was not abiding by uh, by to do homework. Uh, uh, Rob, this is this is this really ticked off so many different people that you would put a 15-year-old girl in a juvenile detention facility for not doing homework. Because you don't value her life because the criminal justice system is stacked against us. This is why people are in the streets. It's not just about police brutality. It's about a system that is so rigged, that is so against us that you go to you you go to jail at 15 for not doing your homework. They would have sent me to jail 10 times. I didn't do my homework all the time when I was in high school and I graduated twice. So why are we judging these kids so early in their career just trying to write them off I mean, this is this. It was shameful that this happened, and you know that the light wasn't shined on uh, on this case. That this is happening. This is not an exception to the rule. It, it's more often the rule when you when you deal with black and brown kids. So, uh, Lauren, uh, it was white female judge Mary Ellen Brennan of Oakland County Family Court. She ruled, "quote The girl was guilty of on failure to submit any to any schoolwork and getting up for school. Also, call her a threat to the community because she was on probation for assault and theft charges." And that was related to actually to her mother. Now, again, you you, you put somebody in juvenile detention for not doing homework. And that was a result of COVID-19 because they had to go to distance learning. Yeah, well, the the efforts to uh, obviously criminalize African-Americans this country uh, run deep. Uh, You know, the attempts to try children as adults and... You know, having police in school, it was a slippery slope and it effectively obviously increases the school prison pipeline, the levels of incarceration with regard to African-Americans. This is the type of absurd, ridiculous uh, nonsense ruling that should be protested against uh, and uh, fought feverishly. It's been going on this type of stupid, you know, decision making, of course, has been biased and going on for years. And, yeah, you know, it will come to an end when you uh, obviously activate politically change who is in charge, change who is making decisions, uh, and and act proactively to get people such as this out of these positions. Uh, folks, Atlanta City Councilman Antonio Brown says he is not going to resign after being indicted by federal grand jury on multiple counts of fraud for allegedly lying about his income on applications to, update, to, to obtain loans and credit cards, which he used for personal purchases, including a Range Rover and Mercedes-Benz C300. The U.S. Attorney's Office has also accused Brown of lying about being a victim of identity theft to defraud the financial institutions that gave him the money. He's charged with wire fraud, mail fraud, bank fraud, and making false statements on a bank loan application. In Tennessee, Democratic State Senator Katrina Robinson of Memphis, she has been charged with swindling $600,000 in federal funds to pay for her wedding and finance a lavish lifestyle, according to federal, federal prosecutors. From 2015 to 2019, she's accused of stealing the money that was granted to the Healthcare Institute, a company she directed. In addition to covering her wedding costs, she's charged with using the funds to pay for her honeymoon and pay legal fees 
for her divorce. She also paid for her daughter's 2016 Jeep Renegade, home improvements, a $500 Louis Vuitton handbag, and invested in a snow cone business run by her children. You never played with federal funds. Now, granted, innocent until proven guilty. But when the feds come after you, Rob, mm, it's never a good thing. Yeah, you're usually they got about a 95% um, success rate. So look, you don't you don't play with money. And I, I, I have this rule when I ran for office and said we got three lines. We got perception, we got what's ethical, and what's legal. You want to be all the way on the side of perception. So if this case, if somebody talked about what happened in the paper, could you explain it? And if and I, and I told my staff, if you couldn't, don't do it. It's really simple. That's it. And that, and that's how you have to operate when it comes to politics. Lauren. Yeah, well, I mean, geez, Range Rovers and weddings. I mean, you got to be pretty bold to be spending. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wedding and divorce. (laughs) You got to really be. I mean, typically, uh, when you hear about these types of cases and you read the details and you read the case in its totality, which I have not done, uh, you know, you do find things that that. Uh, particularly with campaign uh, cases, federal campaign money cases, you'll find things that might be on the border of something legitimate. You typically don't find somebody paying for a wedding or a snow cone company or a Range Rover. I mean, what group of prosecutors is going to miss that when they are looking over the documents and looking at the purchases, et cetera, and so on? So there's really nothing, if this is accurate, obviously, you know, uh, I, I don't know the complete internal details, but if that story is accurate, that is an outrageous example of corruption. And some people just can't be around money, uh, Roland. Some people, when you give them money and you give them too much power, they just can't handle it. So some people just can't deal with money, can't deal with power, just don't need to have it because they act a fool. Well, and, well, see, and, and, and the thing is, both of them both of them were elected in 2018. They've only been in office two years. Lauren, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, they've only been in office two years. One of the things about running for public office is people need to understand, you're not going to become a millionaire running for public office. You no. know, if you're better off staying in the private sector... Well, maybe, but if you in Louisiana or Illinois, you could. Well, go ahead. Or Kentucky. <laughs> well, typically, or Kentucky. I mean, yeah, you're right. Or, 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 or that big robbery scandal in your state, Ohio. Oh, yeah, <laughs> forgot. Yeah, you're right, so... <laughs> You know, you can make more money. The people who tend to run for public office, of course, typically have, you know, a law degree, a doctorate, something where they can make more than the typical salary of, say, a member of Congress, which is 175000 You're right, Roland. There are some notable exceptions. You know, the Mitch McConnell exception, you still can't figure out how he became a millionaire sitting in the Senate uh, for over 25 years. But the point, though, is that there has to be some realization when you become a candidate for office that this is typically not going to be a financial bonanza. And you have to have a lot of discipline for that. And so to be in office for two years and, 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 and be conducting yourself in that way is outrageous. All right, folks, uh, let's talk about this story here out of Arkansas. An Arkansas police officer during a February arrest told a man who later died in police custody, quote, if you can talk, you can breathe, according to newly released footage. The police department in Conway, Arkansas, released edited footage of the arrest two days ago. During the incident, police placed Lionel Morris and a second man under arrest after a call reporting they had removed a drone from his packaging in a Harps store. Morris ran from officers who tackled him in a different part of the store, tasing him several times while trying to subdue him. Watch some of this video. 
At 4.25 p.m. on February 4th, Conway police received a call about a shoplifting in progress at Harps Grocery Store on East German Lane. On arrival, officers made contact with two people who were identified by store employees as the shoplifting suspects. After the concealed merchandise was located, officers proceeded to ask both of them to place their hands behind their back. The woman, Brandy Arnold, was placed under arrest, while the man later identified as Lionel Morris ran from officers to avoid being taken into custody. Officers caught Morris inside the store in a struggle ensued that lasted approximately six and a half minutes. During the struggle, officers instructed Morris to submit to arrest nearly 40 times. Officers tased Mr. Morris multiple times during the struggle in an attempt to gain control. while continuing to fight for several minutes. At one point, Morris reached for a knife clipped to his pocket. As the struggle continued, Morris dragged one of the officers to the ground, positioned himself on top of the officer, and placed the officer in a chokehold. Instead of using deadly force, the officer grabbed the knife and drew it from the immediate area. Approximately five minutes into the struggle, more officers arrived on scene and were eventually able to subdue Morris and place him in A call for emergency medical services was made by officers before handcuffs were secured. I'm going to get Madison around. Get men's in route. Anybody else missing a? Stop moving. Stop
I said don't move. Stop moving. And be still. You understand Stop moving. that? Put your head back on the floor and straighten your leg out. No. Stop moving. Put your head down and be still. Okay. I think I'm out of that. Prior to medical personnel arriving, Morris was placed in a recovery position and began receiving treatment for injuries he sustained during the struggle. Medical professionals arrived and took over care and treatment. Unfortunately, Mr. Morris passed away during transport to the hospital. At the request of the Conway Police Department, Arkansas State Police responded to the scene and started an independent investigation into the incident. This investigation ultimately took several months, interviewed multiple witnesses, reviewed all videos and audio from both Harps and the Conway Police Department, and encompassed the state medical examiner's report. The autopsy and toxicology report determined that Mr. Morris was positive for several drugs, including methamphetamine and morphine. The level of drugs in Mr. Morris's system and the strain he exerted while struggling with the police ultimately contributed to his death. The Arkansas State Police turned over their entire file, including the medical examiner's report, to the 20th Judicial District Prosecuting Attorney. After a thorough review, the prosecutor determined there was no evidence of any criminal wrongdoing by the Conway Police Department or the Conway Police officers involved in this unfortunate incident. Now that the independent investigation has determined that officers did not cause Mr. Morris's death, an internal professional standards investigation will proceed in order to further review details of the case and determine whether there were any policy or rule violations. People may view aspects of this incident and be disturbed or uncomfortable. I understand. Use of force in any situation is uncomfortable and should always be analyzed to determine if things can be improved upon. In reviewing this incident, I recognize that there are things as a police department we can do better, and these are things that we will do better. In closing, I once again would like to express our sympathies to the Morris family and all others impacted by this unfortunate incident. I guess what bothers me, and Rob, I'm going to go to you because I think back to the John Crawford third story uh, out of uh, Ohio. I think it was Beaver Creek, Ohio. Yep, that's it. They say here that the store called the cops because they removed the drone from the package. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't shoplifting. It wasn't theft. So that required you to call the cops? Yeah, I mean, no, it doesn't. And, and you call the cops because you see a black person and you and you and you feel like they're they're a threat to you no matter what and uh you know again i think i've told you the story i had to I had people call the cops on me when i was 12 years old and and i was put in the police uh, in the back of a police car for no reason my mom had to come up and actually uh she almost cussed out the police officer but it, it, i went home that day because i didn't have a reason to be back there but this is what black people go through in america all day every day they assume you're a criminal um, and it often leads to encounters like that. And it's, it's, yeah, I definitely blame the store owner for calling someone. If, if no one's life's in danger, they actually didn't steal anything. It just makes no sense. I, I, again, that's what I, I don't get, Lauren. It, they didn't walk out of the store with it. So, okay, you don't open a package in the store. That requires you to call the cops? 
Yeah, you know, that's a, that's an incident right there, and we've seen many of these now, where you sit and you ask yourself, would the situation have been better if no police were, were involved? And the answer is yes. If the police had not shown up that day, somebody would still be alive. And when you find yourself asking that general question, I mean, it's not as if they're looking for somebody who just murdered five people, who just did a mass shooting, something like that. It's a shoplifting beef. And let's you know, whether he was shoplifting or not, you know, you're talking about a petty theft. And so uh, there's two things at play there. One is, did the cops come and make the situation better or worse? I think is an open question that we should be asking ourselves about policing. Um, the other question is how we deal with mental health just generally in this country, which the answer is we don't deal with it. We have the police dealing with every single problem across the board. Police are truant officers. Police are mental health you know, interveners, their domestic violence interveners. And so the part in there that I think we, we never really confront is that we are asking our police to do too much in general. Um, and also, when we ask them to get involved with things like this, where there may, in fact, be a mental health issue or a, a just a basic health issue if this person was, in fact, on some sort of drugs, you know, are the police the best answer for that situation? And when you see all this confusion on video happening over what may or may not be a petty theft and what looks like sort of a, a, a very sort of low-end convenience store. It's kind of like, really? I mean, I, I would think that we should look into the mirror as a society and say, we should be able to do better than that. We yeah, should be able to come up with something better than what we just saw in that video. I mean, and then officers should be able to de-escalate learn how to deal with situations before they get to, could they have used the force? They, they probably could justify the force used. I don't know, I didn't see all of it, but that doesn't, but that's not the question we should ask. The question is, could it be done a different way to prevent to prevent a death? Could you de-escalate the situation knowing how to talk to people, know how to talk them down, even when they get away, even when they ran, and just figure out how to calm the situation versus making people more agitated and finding a way to, uh, you know, just escalate the situation. Again, I, I just, I, 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 I still, I still, I still start, I still, I still start with the most basic thing. You do not call the cops because somebody opened a package. We call the cops for everything. I mean, what? Yeah. And, and, and and that and that and that's the problem. The problem is, which is why when we when 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 Derek was talking about these efforts to defund the police, why in San Francisco what they have done is they have sent mental health professionals. I was reading a story the other day uh, where. Uh, in Kentucky, I think it was in Kentucky, they, they've, been, they've sent social workers and it's drastically decreased the number of arrests because they dealt with the issue without law enforcement. When you bring law enforcement who has tasers and guns, yep. shit happens and folks die. That's right. the difference. That's the difference. When you're a hammer, everything is nailed. And what do cops do? They are there for use of force. They are there with a license to kill. That's why cops have a special designation under the law. They, have, in fact, have a license to kill. But we do have to get into a discussion very quickly about how we deal with some of these things that have nothing to do with the necessary, with the need for violent force. Because right now we're in a situation where cops are dying. You know, we see it all the time, obviously, on your show, Roland. We have these video examples of stupid people calling the cops over nothing, you know, and, and really escalating the situation just by calling the cops. So that right there is an escalation. And the cop shows up and has to deal with this dispute that really is not worthy of a law enforcement officer. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. All right, folks. Rob, Lauren, I surely appreciate you joining our panel. Derek, 
Come back, Derek. Don't be scared. Don't shut down. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom or something. I don't know. All right. I appreciate it, folks. Uh, Coming up next, we'll chat with singer Jody Watley. She's in the house. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. So a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago, and I saw uh, this guy who had this, this pocket square here, and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down, the. it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they basically about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. And what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that but if I wanted to also unlike other because if I flip it and turn it over it actually gives me a different type of texture and so therefore it gives me a different look so there you go so uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these shibori pocket squares we have them in 47 different colors all you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares so it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, And so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who's a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, it goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brina Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. All right, speaking of our fan club, folks, uh, everything that you do goes to support this show. Your dollars make it possible for us to be able uh, to do the kind of show that we do five days a week live. And, of course, we stream our content seven days a week. Uh, give me, let me give a shout-out. Uh, here are some people here uh, who have joined our fan club who have given 50 bucks or more. Uh, Angela Davis, Corey Brown, Deborah Gaston, Don Terrell, Erlene Davis-Lee, Eloise Joseph, Eugene Evans, Evangeline Hunley, Jacqueline Taylor, James, Janie Johnson, Gio Hendricks, Joan uh, Malizuski, Josie, Kenneth Darby, uh, Lamont Creole Kitchen, Marie Diane Smith, Mary, Michael Sanders, uh, Molin Music, Monique McCullough, Patricia Ducksworth, Philip K- uh, Kelton, Phyllis Whiteside, Relax Me, Roy M. DeBose Jr., S. Smith, Samuel Collins, Sharice R. Patillo, Shauna Yeldell, uh, Tesra Lawson, The Styling Firm of Atlanta, Thomas Hatton, Tanya Pass Brown, uh, Trent Trina Lewis Mondi, uh, Vera Joyner, Vic- Victor Figueroa. And so we certainly appreciate it. Uh, also, I got, uh, let's see here, uh, uh, Florida, Florida Bradley. She just actually uh, sent us something in today, y'all. Um, we are waiting to get uh, Jody on, and so she'll be on shortly. And so we certainly appreciate uh, Florida uh, joining our fan club. She uh, wrote a note. 
She says, thank you, Mr. Martin, for keeping the people informed during this newsy time. I love your program. Thanks again, uh, Florida, Florida uh, Bradley, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I got to get to Myrtle Beach to play some golf. I have talked about it. I've spoken there. But I've never played golf. They got fantastic golf courses in Myrtle Beach. Uh, all right, y'all, let's see here. Um, Let's see here. They said to Ronald Martin, Patricia Evans, that's not me. I'm rolling. Mr. Martin, I would first like to say thank you for all that you do for the culture. I've learned so much by watching you and your panel of guests educating me on our history. I even bought the Martin Luther King book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community. It reminded me of when, we, when I lived in South Philly working on the polls. I would like to ask you a question. I live in Virginia now and I'm not registered to vote here. I used to live in Gainesville, Florida. Can I get a mail-in ballot from there? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, and so if you, first of all, uh, here's the deal, Patricia, if you are still regist registered to vote there, you can. But the reality is you live in Virginia. So the you should. You, so, uh, Patricia, you should get registered right now in Virginia. That's where you live. And so all you got to do uh, is just do this here. I'm still doing our fan club uh, appeal, folks. But uh, Virginia, I want you to go to uh, go to my iPad, go to vote.org. So, Patricia, if you're watching, I want you to go to vote.org. Or go to vote.org and you can actually check your registration. You can get registered vote uh, right here. Right here, you can also request an, uh, a ballot. So you should, since you're living in Virginia now, you should actually get registered in Virginia. You no longer live in Gainesville, Florida, so you should register there. Now, uh, if you uh, if you still uh, have a home uh, there and that's your homestead, well, you can actually you can do that. And so, but again, you should really uh, be registered uh, where you live. And so, I want you to do that, folks. Y'all, let me know when we got Jody uh, on the line uh, so I can go to her. Uh, let me go right here. I got another letter here. Uh, so let's see here, uh, Miriam Woodard. Miriam, I appreciate it. Uh, I enjoy your daily uh, Rolling Martin Unfiltered show. I'm thankful for your platform that gives us more detailed news than I get on television. I appreciate you want us to be able to continue this wonderful pro platform. And close is my money order to help and support. And so I certainly appreciate it, uh, Miriam Wood Wood Woodard. Thank you so very much for supporting us. Just a couple of more I'm going to open, y'all. And again, uh, we are uh, getting Jody Watley on the line for our phone conversation. She's got a new project out, and we want to talk to her uh, about about that and so uh, keep up the great work and this is from I can't read you this is from in person in person I can't read uh, I cannot read this y'all and I'm real good I cannot make this out but uh, it's uh, in person uh, out of Roosevelt New York so I certainly appreciate that uh, for your support for the show y'all gotta do me a favor y'all gotta spell y'all name out I can't read some of y'all cursive now uh, so I appreciate that let me see if I can man y'all got this envelope and you got tape on it man it's like I'm gonna need to call a like getting in the Fort Knox, open up some of y'all envelopes. Y'all want to make sure nobody opens this sucker. I understand. Let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is from Anita Riggins. Anita Riggins in Tucker, Georgia. I appreciate it, Anita. And let's see here. And finally, who we got here? We got a card here. Uh, you sent us a big old card. So let's see here. I'll open this thing up right now. And there are people in our lives who are so genuinely kind-hearted. Uh, appreciate, appreciating them just comes naturally. Your great media service and caring for our community. God continue to bless you and business. Eunice Tibbs. 
Huntsville, Alabama. Eunice, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Folks, y'all can give cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. You got paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered. You also have venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. And yeah, you can do like them. You can actually uh, send a money order to New Vision Media Inc. NU Vision Media Inc. NU Vision Media Inc. 16. 25 K Street Northwest, uh, Suite 400, uh, again, Washington, D.C., uh, 2006, New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, okay, folks, uh, do we have Jody? What's up? What's up? Let me know something. Uh, I'm going to do this here. Uh, hey, uh, I told y'all uh, I've been doing commentaries for Black Information Network, iHeart's Radio Network. Go to my iPad. You can actually go to uh, go online. You can go to their app. You can listen to those commentaries that are on there. And, of course, our podcast, the Roller Martin Unfiltered Audio Podcast. You can actually go to uh, get the iHeart Radio app. You can listen to our podcast right there. Uh, they are now handling the distribution, the marketing, and the selling of our audio podcast. I, I still own it. Just, just y'all care. I own it. Uh, but uh, they are, we're partnering with them, so we certainly appreciate that. My commentary is twice a day on the Black Information Network. Uh, so there are about 15 or 20 radio stations across the country. So it might be in your local city, but if you want to hear the radio network, just go online. You can listen to the app. You can listen to it online as well. And so please uh, support those particular projects. All right, y'all. You've heard her music. Remember her, of course, been, of course, in the group Shalimar. She's also been a solo artist. Absolutely fascinating. We enjoy her energy, her spirit. And joining us right now on Roller Martin Unfiltered, the great Jody Watley. What up, Jody? Hey, what's happening? How you doing? <laughs> I'm great, but after that clip you just showed, uh, we really are we needing a healing. My new song, The Healing. I'm just traumatized at the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean... My goodness. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, the, you know, the thing is, um, what we're seeing across this country, we're seeing so much dialogue around these issues. Uh, we're seeing artists who are using their art to speak to these issues. And so talk about uh, this song. Well, the healing is very timely. I mean, clearly with um, the, the rise and the openness of uh, brazen racism and uh, all of these senseless killings with police brutality, um, the whole Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement. And I was thinking about Elijah McClain today that we haven't been hearing about those officers. And, you know, Breonna Taylor, the officers still haven't been arrested. And so the healing, it is a song that I wrote before this pandemic and all of this happened. But it's so timely because it is learning lessons of life and trying to put more love in the world. Um, and living in the now and what we can do to make the future better. And uh, we all need a, a, a healing, this earth, this world, these politicians. I mean, it's, it's timely. And it's a groove, too. You know, I, I always like to make people dance as well. Of course, of course. Uh, so, okay, so here's what's about to happen, folks. Uh, we're going to play you a snippet of the song. Now, so let me explain to y'all what happens with Facebook and YouTube, okay? So just want to give y'all up. So, so what, what happens with Facebook, if we play music and then all of a sudden the record label of someone then puts a copyright strike, uh, they'll immediately stop the stream. So you all of a sudden, you'll see it blocked. So on Facebook, if that happens, I'm just letting y'all know 
what's about to happen, okay? So well, which, it's my label, so right, 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 right. Well, so so what happens is even even when that happens, so what happens is if they do that, because what happens is their algorithm automatically does it. So so uh, so then all we do is we simply respond to them. Yes, here's permission granted to us to be able to play the song, and then it gets lifted, but it immediately stops the stream at that moment. So Facebook. I'm just letting y'all know right now, if that happens, just go to the YouTube channel. Here is Jody Watley, The Healing. Spring. I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's time. The healing. Healing. It's time for the healing. The healing. Possibilities of the future create more love, create more peace, create more abundance in the now. It's what we have, it's what you make of life now. It's what we have now. the music playing underneath us while we keep talking so uh so so jody it's interesting because all these other songs that have come out they've all been slow and very emotional and so but this is a beat yeah and you know the uh, the updated uh video for this the lyric video i, I incorporated photography from um the black lives matter protests that were happening here in los angeles and the aftermath all around the city of all of these buildings um, that have Black Lives Matter and all of the, and from Beverly Hills to Santa Monica to West Hollywood to Mid Wilshire, um, which I think is, I mean, they're still up too. And um, so th that one is on YouTube. And um, so I wanted to, it's important to include that to remind people and photography with, you know, uh, Breonna Taylor, uh, you know, justice for Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain. And so um, the upbeat, like I said, it, this I wrote this before the pandemic, mm -hmm. and, uh, but lyrically it's just, it's timely. And really it could be an inspiration. If I throw a choir on it, you know, it's, you know, we can go to church with it too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and the reality is, I mean, music has always played a huge part uh, when it comes to movements. I mean, if you, if, if people really study uh, the civil rights movement. I mean, you had the freedom singers. I mean, I mean, when when, when they were in jail, uh, they they songs that that kept them together in Parchman Prison in Mississippi. Uh, it was always about songs, and so all all across the South, that was the case. And so, music has been has been a central played a central role in all of the black movements we've had. Absolutely. And even when you think of, um, you know, as yesterday at the, the service, the home going for uh, uh, Rest in Peace, uh, uh, John Lewis, even a song like, you know, We Shall Overcome is really an optimistic song, you know, um, that is meant to uplift because even in challenging times, we all need to be inspired. Uh, one of the albums uh, growing up 
I, re I was living in D.C. actually when the riots happened, and I remember when James Brown came and um, to calm everything down. And you know, I was probably only seven or eight years old, but I remember it and say it loud. I'm black, and I pr I'm proud. And so, you know, songs. You're right. They they inspire. They motivate uh, at critical times. And you know, some artists take a different um, approach. Uh, but for me, you know, um, this one in spoken word, you know, I grew up, I love Nikki Giovanni and, um, you know, uh, Angela Davis, I was familiar with. And so, you know, all of these things are a part of me as an artist and I try to incorporate. And like I said, this song right now is just so, um, you know, I want to inspire people and, and, and do the work. You know, it's like, you know, whether you're protesting or uh, donating or working behind the scenes, but we all need to be doing uh, something and most of all, creating more love. And that is from our presence and our being and what we put out, because a lot of people putting out hate. Um, so, you know, I'm all about putting out uh, more love uh, and put some action behind it as well. Let me ask you this here, for you uh, during this moment uh, of this uh, pandemic, it has been very difficult. Uh, for artists because everything is shut down. I mean, you don't have concerts, you don't have, uh, folks are not on the road, they're not traveling. Uh, how have you had made adjustments uh, when it comes to your work? First of all, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm a songwriter. <laughs> there you go. Which, and I which, own my public. Right, which, which means, so folks, for everybody who's listening, what that means is I ain't got to tour to get a check. So when my <laughs> stuff gets played, a check comes to the crib. <laughs> yes, Jody, Jody Wiley music is, is a blessing from God. And right now I was just thinking that it's like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, my classics and even my newer songs that don't get as much exposure. Uh, when you're an independent artist, as you know, owning your own everything that you do. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you may, you know, take the hit because you're investing and we have to do that, invest in ourselves, um, but handling the business. And so on, on the back end of it, um, I'm very thankful that I've held on to, you know, I mean, with songs like Looking for a New Love, Don't You Want Me, Some Kind of Love or Friends, all the, my songs. And like I said, uh, owning my own label, I've been able to do deals with all sorts of companies and things that people don't even really know about. So I'm, I'm managing um, it is, it is, I've taken time off here and there, but this is the first time that, um, to not be looking at doing any concerts anytime soon is kind of a trip because, you know, I've been doing concerts since I was 17. And even though, like I said, taking time off to live life and, you know, have a balanced life, but, um, I have no idea because the concerts will come back flat. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, everybody always, you know, Live below your means, not above your means, yep. and always save your money. Um, I, I remember, you know, at one point along the way, and I was saving, and, and someone told me, well, saving is for old people. And I remember saying, well, I guess I'll just be old then because I'm going to be saving my money. So right. remember, people, all the flash and glitter, all that stuff. You know, I like nice things. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, so this during this pandemic, I'm really thankful that I've been very um, modest in my lifestyle. Well, the, th the thing is, and last night, Steve Perry and I uh, had a conversation on Instagram Live. And, and actually, he and I were, actually, if he and I were talking. And he was like, man, you know what? We need to help some other people with this conversation. He was like, let's do Instagram Live. And so um, I'm having, what we're going to do is we're actually going to grab that conversation 
uh, and then take it off of the stack boxes, put them side by side, and we're going to stream that uh, on on my platform. And and the whole conversation we were t- it was it was about ownership. It was it was about um, when I when I turned down a deal to sign with TV One because I knew what I wanted to create, and I also knew that that it was a limited opportunity. And I said, this is the moment to do it. And so many people. Uh, again, they fall for, like I tell people all the time when they see these announcements of, oh man, so-and-so signed a $50 million record deal. I'm like, no, they didn't. No, they, they, that, that, that's an advance. So right. That's an advance. You have to pay it back. Right. And know. then that was, uh, when, when that was a story about Mary J. Blige uh, that, that was dealing with the divorce and you know, like something like bankruptcy. It was so like she still owes the record label twelve million and three albums, whatever. And, and, and people don't understand uh, that I don't care what it is. You better focus on the business of your business. Yeah. Absolutely. And even uh, you know, ironically, last night I was on Twitter, and uh, Tamar Braxton, um, who I'm sending well wishes to, I, someone retweeted something that she had. Uh, tweeted out and it was she felt um, like a, a slave to she didn't own her life you know and uh, with the TV deal that they have and everything that's going on with her um, but you know I, I I tweeted her I don't know her but I just said you know um, it's not the end but lessons learned and uh, ownership is important and it's it's under uh, rated in terms of how people perceive things, being independent. I mean, you know, when we're all starting out, we all go through the, we, you have to go through it to learn it. But once you learn the lesson, um, you know, it's all about ownership and owning what you do because, you know, number one, the reward of it is so much more. And then you have control over it, you know, from here on out, it's yours. Right. And, 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 and when it's yours, first of all, you're not under the pressure. One of the things I tell people all the time is that uh, that debt, um, I call them invisible shackles. And so mm-hmm. and so what happens is when you when you don't own and when, when you don't own and let's say you're working for someone else and then you have debt. Now, all of your decisions are predicated on, man, I can't do this and this because man, if I lose this thing, then how am I going to pay this? When you talked about living below your means, yeah, oh my goodness, I can't make this decision because if I do, this impacts my money over here. How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay my car note? Well, if you did like I did, I, bought, I paid for my car the moment I bought them. So therefore, I drove off the lot owning them. My house is paid for. I only use a secured credit card that I secured with CDs. So if anything ever happens, well, the CDs already will pay off the balance of that particular card. And so that actually, that completely, and this is after filing for bankruptcy because I had no health care. My appendix ruptured in 2000 and then almost got the house foreclosed on. And 70% of the people who file bankruptcy is because of health care. But the whole point there, I've been able to make the independent decisions to own my own stuff because by having no debt, I now have freedom to make those decisions. Right. No, you know, one of the impactful books that I read along the way um, was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that book um, probably 20 years ago. And um, I just, I learned so much. It was so practical from 
real estate and just everything, uh, good debt, bad debt, not being in debt, all of those things. And, um, you know, and so the principles that you mentioned is true and people don't, they get so caught up in the, the things that don't really matter are trying to impress people that in the end, you know, if you lose it all, they won't be there for you, you know, they, you know, so it's best to, while other people are running their mouths, run your business. I think that that is always uh, great advice and ownership is key in, in giving you the, and especially in the entertainment business, because as we can see, I mean, it, it's, and, and, you know, film and TV and everything, and things are so cyclical and, and, you know, you find out people don't really care about you. No one will care about you as much as you will yourself. So handle your business. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the thing is, so what you said about the songwriting piece, uh, if we look at history, um, you know, Sam Cooke understood that, but he still got swindled out of that uh, by uh, by his president. So that's also in terms of how, how you're trusting people to make sure it will end up happening in his case. He was basically, he owned his stuff, but this guy structured the deal where Sam was working for him. So many other songwriters in Ray, Ray Charles said, own your masters. Prince was trying to get, get a lot of artists to understand when he got out of the Warner Brothers deal, why it was important, same thing. Chance the Rapper, when he, you know, he does deals now where he's independent, he only does distribution deals. He's like, no, 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 I, got, I, I don't need y'all for that. In fact, I'm actually working on a book deal uh, and we almost finished negotiating that book deal and the initial terms and I saw it and I was kind of like, I'm sorry, this is a distribution deal. I don't need to pay mm -hmm. X percent for that, 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 because I don't need them for that, that, that. And, and that's the thing that so many people uh, get so caught up. And I think, to be perfectly honest, Jody, I think that they, 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 they want to get caught up in the hype without yes. realizing that hype lasts that long. And to your point, like a situation like this here, you sit at the crib doing this right here. Cha-ching. Yes. <laughs> Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Well, other yeah. folk trying to do virtual concerts. They trying to sell stuff. They try because their whole livelihood is really based upon still performing, which is why it's so man, it's hard to see some entertainers who are 70, 75, 80 still having to hit the road hard because that's the only way they can make a living. Right. And you know, and that's that's very true. You know, and I've always been of the philosophy, you know, once you you know, it's a blessing to continue to be creative and to release music and do what I love and all of that. And touring has always been, it's like, I do it when I want to do it. I love to do it, but it's not like I have to do it. And there's a, a definite freedom in that because you, you're right. It's like, you don't want to be 70 and 65 and, and you have to, to do it. And so, you know, coming up with uh, other ways, you know, even with my merchandise, owning only myself. And if I want to do, I'm doing an interior uh, sanctuary uh, since, since we're spending so much time at home and I believe in being chill and everything. It's like, I don't have to pay somebody because I did a bad 360 deal or something like that. Right. I'm not going to see the money because they advanced it to me forever ago. And now, you know, or t-shirts or whatever it is. And so um, it's very artists. I, I always, since I've been a solo artist, I've always said, you know, cause I learned a lot as a teenager starting in the business and going through that whole thing, but learn the business in anything, yep. learn business. Yep. Um, you know, my son just graduated, he has a finance degree. 
and he has uh, very much always been about research and um, you know planning, preparation, and uh, and being you know organized with what it is you're doing and uh, prudent about you know budgets and all that things that people they just spend. It just you know it sounds boring, but it really uh, if you learn those principles at a young age, and I instill both that in both my daughter and son, then when they become adult, you know, and of course, you know, everybody's going to have their splurges and then it's like, oh gosh, but you know, you, you really have to be uh, prudent. And in this day and age and, and with the unpredictability of what's going on right now, I know a lot of people are suffering, you know, I feel for, you know, my musicians and, and, um, right. You know, just, it, just it, 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 it's there. a whole ecosystem. It's not just the artists. You're talking yeah. about the band people, you probably, the band members, the tour manager, the personnel yeah. support, all of the people who handle audio, the folks who handle video, the people who hang the lights and the cables. None of those people are working. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't think people, you know, because they look at artists, you know, it's like we're just everything is just like poof and you're just there. And it's like but there's so much that goes into it. And there's so many people, you know, even, you know, that we're responsible for, like you said, you know, all of the, the staff and, and everybody. So everyone's been impacted from even with sports, with the NBA being back, all those vendors and concession workers and all those people, you know, um, out of work. And so, you know, again, I think, I hope that we will, we will all make it through this, but it's, um, not, um, not losing the faith and, um, just, you know, hanging in there. Indeed. Indeed. Well, folks, uh, we, we appreciate uh, you being with us folks. The song is called uh, the healing, uh, check it out, uh, download it. You can watch uh, that uh, video uh, on YouTube as well. Uh, Jody, go, go, go ahead with your fan. Go ahead. I saw you with the fan. <laughs> you got me sweating, brother. I saw it. No, this, ain't, this ain't heavy lifting. This ain't heavy lifting. And so I take it. If somebody want a Jody Wiley fan, where do they go? <laughs> Right here. I, I, I know you're selling the fans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The fans, this, this one is custom. That was for me. Um, but, yeah, fans, I got the whole collection coming, the, hooper, the, whole, the Wh whole bit. Where do they know, go? Jody where do they go? Jody Watley Connection. Everything, you can link up to it at jodywatley.net. It has my boutique link and all my social media and everything. And, um and also some of the merchandise on my YouTube channel, um, just like on your channel. And, and yep. people support Roland, buy some stuff, and then go to Jody Watley and buy some stuff because we are independent, we're black owned, and we're doing it uh, for ourselves. And, um, you know, uh, the, the likes and comments are nice, but, you know, it's nice when you also support. That's right. Likes, comments, and shares do not pay the bills. And so we appreciate that, but uh, absolutely, that's why it matters. And the thing that I also explain to people, uh, when you are independent, when you are Black-owned, you have an opportunity to help other people as well, uh, and that's what matters. And so, uh, it, 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 so it goes beyond just one individual. I mean, I've got 10 employees. We want to be able to grow. We want to have 10 more employees and then 10 more employees. And so we would love to be able to have the size of a staff of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or CNN, but that only happens when 
One, folks continue to watch, the numbers continue to go up, and we're able to get those advertising dollars to be able to build and grow capacity, and that's what, that's what it boils down to. Uh, but it's important to, again, learn the business of your business. There are a lot of people in this thing for the hype, and they say, oh, my God, people see you, and they stop you in airports. I'm like, yeah, that's all great and well, but you don't, if you don't learn the business side of that, you will be left stranded trying to figure out, why, what did I do for 20, 30 years uh, being on somebody else's network, being on somebody else's station, or in your case, being on a label? What happens when they say, we're done? A lot, right. of, a lot of people we know are stuck, having no idea where to go because they thought or their entire validation was caught up in, I'm so-and-so with this label, or I'm so-and-so with this network, as opposed to saying, no. I'm so-and-so. I don't need something at the end of my name to determine my validation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like, you know, in, in the healing, it's like um, when I say what, it's just like, remember that, you know, you have a light. And, and in our experiences, sometimes people feel that other people will make you feel your light has gone out. But, you know, like you said, if you you are the captain of your ship, no matter what your job or profession you know, you have to keep it going and um, and believe that and handle your business. No one is going to handle it like you will. And then you don't, don't want to, especially, you know, as time goes on, be beholden to anyone um, and, and have just, you know, out of pocket, as my dad used to say. You don't want to be out of pocket or nope. in a trick bag. You do not. <laughs> Jody Wiley, we appreciate it. Good to see you. Normally, I'm responding to you in club quarantine with D-Nice or seeing you on social media. Great to have you on the show. Uh, and so good luck in all that you're doing. Thank you. Love you. Thank Love you, you darling. Bro. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. a bunch. All right, all right, folks, that is it for us. Uh, dudes here, here we zoom out. Uh, so today's shirt I am wearing is the I Am A Man shirt uh, that, of course, um, uh, this is what the Memphis Sanitation Workers wore in 1968 when they, 1,100 brothers, when they went on strike. Dr. King, of course, was there to, uh, to help them and celebrate them. And so uh, they were wearing, they were carrying the placards, I am a man. Well, I went to the National Civil Rights Museum, uh, and this is where uh, I was able to, uh, I got this shirt. And so uh, if you want to uh, get this shirt as well, all you got to do is go to uh, civilrightsmuseum.org, uh, civilrightsmuseum.org. Uh, no, they're not paying me to do this here, uh, but I believe in supporting uh, what they do. This is the website. Go to it, please. Uh, Henry, this is their site uh, right here, Civil Rights Museum. And then, of course, you can click shop, and then it will take you to uh, the various shirts uh, as well as the products uh, you can get there. Uh, they've got, of course, Black Lives Matter shirt right there. Let me click apparel. Uh, and so you see their Malcolm X shirt. Uh, and then this is their I Have a Man shirt, $21.99 uh, right there. They also have a hat as well. And so we believe in supporting our institutions. It's important for them to still exist. Folks, thank, thank you so very much. We always end the show on Friday rolling the credits of all of our fan club members. And look, Jonathan Slocum hit me last week. He was like, man, you run, he said, you run it too fast. I said, Jonathan, it's more than 10,000 names. We can't run that thing slow. I'll see y'all on Monday.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 